Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Gaining Christ by Pastor Sean Wood. Father, it's a new year and your mercies are new every morning and they're new every year. And we want to celebrate Jesus together, so we're doing that right now. And as we come around your word, Father, we pray that you'd speak into our hearts. Thank you for those that stepped forward this morning and had a word from you. But Lord, this morning we pray that you would continue to speak into our hearts. Lord, you're always speaking. Unclog our ears. Unclog our hearts. Your word is living and active and we ask that it would become living and active in each one of us. Amen. Uh, If you'd like to meet me this morning in Philippians chapter 3, it's a new year and um, uh, for those that have made New Year's resolutions, I encourage people to do so. It's good to make New Year's resolutions and whether, whatever they may be, whether it's to save more money, whether it's to, to be nicer to your pastor. <laughs> I definitely encourage those ones. But uh, 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 it's interesting, one of my favourite quotes from C.S. Lewis, I think he was one of the greatest wordsmiths of the last century, C.S. Lewis, but uh, one of my most favourite quotes of his is that he says, you know what, it's interesting how every day nothing changes. But when we look back, everything's different. And it's interesting now, I, th- I think we should all take stock every year. I think we should take the opportunity at the start of every year to, to kind of look at the balance sheet, our spiritual balance sheet, maybe our physical balance sheet as well. Maybe there's some things we, we need to look at in our lives. What is it that we could take out of our lives? What could we bring into our lives? And I think it's a good time to reflect and it's a good time to look back on the previous year because sometimes we can get wrapped up in the events and miss all that God has done in our lives. I think Smith Wigglesworth was the one that said it's not growing slowly that we should be afraid of but rather standing still. And my hope and my prayer is that at the end of every year we can all turn around and say, wow God, you know, whatever's happened this year, you've done an amazing work in my life. And there's more fruit on my tree now than there was this time last year. I know I can say that, and it hasn't been a... It's not always a... God's pruning isn't always pleasant. Anybody ever notice that? Uh, God's pruning and not always... I I, want to share with you about a man today, the Apostle Paul, who did an exact kind of balance sheet as well. He kind of weighed things up in his life, but... The book of Philippians uh, is an interesting book. Um, uh, What happens is the Philippians were in the habit of giving a gift to Paul. You see, when you're in jail uh, in the first century, particularly Roman jails, it wasn't like the Shangri-La that it is today. Um, You didn't get fed, you didn't get three meals a day, you didn't play eight ball, you know, you were shackled to a wall and if people didn't bring you food, you starved to death. So you relied on people to look after you in jail. And uh, what happens is the Philippian believers, they pile together a gift again and they send it by Epaphroditus. He's an interesting dude that we'll touch on another time. But Epaphroditus takes the gift to Paul. And Paul says, you know what, while you're here, I want you to take a message back to the church at Philippi. Now, the church in Philippi is one of the first churches that Paul plants. You You read about that in Acts chapter 16. It's one of the first churches that he does plant. And uh, it's... It's planted, you remember the, uh, remember the earthquake in the jail? And, and then the, the Roman guard says, what do I have to do to be safe? That was Philippi. He was one of the leading guys in the church. And uh, also uh, Lydia, who was a prominent businesswoman, you, you'll read about her in scripture. She was also one of the first converts in Philippi. 
And Paul sends a letter back. This one's different though. Philippians is different to all the other epistles that he's writing. Normally, Paul is writing to address concerns in the church. Read 1 Corinthians. Man, there were some concerns in that church. But uh, Ephesians, all of them. Paul is writing because he's heard reports and there's concerns, so he sends a letter. Not so with the Philippians. The whole letter is just one great big encouragement. He just wants to encourage them. And sometimes we can take everything out of context. The context of Philippians is the poem that's right in the middle. There's about a chapter and a half leading up to halfway through chapter two where we hit the poem. And everything afterwards centres around this poem. I want to read you this poem that Paul has written. It starts at verse six of chapter two in Philippians. It says, who, speaking of our wonderful Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. You know, one thing I noticed in Paul's writings, uh, Paul, when he was first converted, was like an old leather boot, really abrasive, really arrogant. Uh, first, first missionary trip, uh, John Mark, who wrote the gospel, uh, bails out. Paul says, I don't want this guy with me ever again. But later on, he says, you know what? Bring Mark with you because he's useful to me in the ministry. But in Paul's early letters, we read phrases like, my Lord and Saviour, we read phrases like the Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. But you see, Paul's done 20 or 30 years under Jesus, and by the time we get to the later letters, it's, it's not the Lord Jesus, it's not our Lord Jesus, it's my Lord and Saviour. Oh, how Jesus softened this hard old boot of a man. There's hope for all of us yet. Verse 6, who, Jesus, though he was in the form of God, listen to these words very carefully, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Wow. Verse 7, but made himself nothing. Or, uh, a better translation actually, your translation may have this, or emptied himself. Powerful words made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. Um, in the corporate world, leadership equals me at the top, people underneath. In church circles, leadership looks like me at the bottom, everybody above me. So if you want to, the greatest leaders in church are those that get their hands dirty. So if you want to know what it is, if you want to know what it looks like, uh, to, if, if you're saying, God, I want to be used of you, you've got to learn to get your hands dirty. Take the gloves off. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, and God has highly exalted him. Yes, he has. He has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. We love the next verse, don't we? So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. Every knee will bow. The choice is, do you do it now or do you do it after? Now is preferable. In heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Nobody makes Jesus Lord. Ever heard that phrase? I'm going to make Jesus my Lord. You don't have to. He already is. You just have to accept it. To the glory of God the Father. Now, what Paul has just written there, as he has written a form and a mould of a life. What Paul wants us to know as he's writing to the Philippians is, you know what? When Jesus came, he punched a mould into this world of what the godly life looks like and what every one of our lives will look like. And I've got some enormously good news for everybody here. Your life, God wants to take in that same mould. He wants to press you into that same mould. When it says that Jesus was emptied of himself, know this, 
God will empty you. I, I love prayer meetings, but often we pray, Lord, I want more of you. Lord, give me more. But God's like, make room for me. Here's the number one prayer I have for my life this year. And the number one, I want to look back. This time next year, I want to look back and I want to say, I've gained Christ. I want to be able to look back and say, Lord, you've pressed me more into that mould. Aren't we stubborn? Everybody went silent. My wife said amen. But when I look back, I want to say I've gained Christ. And I don't know about you, but I said, Lord, how do I do that? So I've got the answer for you today. If you're sitting here saying, I want to know what it is that I have to do to gain Christ, we will answer that question today. Now, after giving us the pattern, the mould of a life, Paul now says God's taking us all through that mould and he gives three examples. The first two are Timothy and Epaphroditus. Uh, Timothy was, the, was Paul's son in the faith. He was the pastor at Ephesus. Troubled church, but a very influential church. Uh, the Apostle John ministered there late in his life. But the third one is Paul's, and that's where we pick up in chapter 3. But Paul says, you know what, now I want to give you an idea of what this life looks like for me. This is a guy that's done 20 or 30 years under Jesus. This is the guy that Jesus told Ananias in the book of Acts, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Now, when God says that, put your seatbelt on. If the gospel you were sold sounds like Jesus comes and makes my life all rosy, I don't know where you get that gospel from. It's not in here. Verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brothers... Rejoice in the Lord. That's, that's a, those four words are a sermon all on their own for another day. To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Here's one for my boys, wherever they are. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers and look out for those who mutilate the flesh. My boys aren't here, otherwise they'd have laughed at that. But who's Paul talking about? Paul's actually talking about the Pharisees. Look out for those evildoers. Now, these guys, they could wear the clothes... But behind closed doors, these guys were ripping people blind. Uh, you, know the, you know John chapter 8 where the woman's brought out in the dark? I'd love to know what Jesus wrote in the ground, by the way. But you know when Jesus is writing? Uh, most scholars agree that he was writing the names of all the women that they'd slept with. And now says, now you guys that have got the first stone. And they all dropped their rocks and walked away. These guys were evildoers. The mutilators of the flesh talks about circumcision. And so that's a, that's a message we're never going to preach. <laughs> All the men said, Amen. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God. And what is Paul saying? Paul's saying, you know what? Uh, now we worship, not according to ceremony anymore. Relationship with God is not about what you cut off from your body anymore. Praise God. No, 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 we worship by the Spirit, by what God has placed in us. And here's, here's how you can sum the gospel up. And the glory in Christ Jesus, we put no confidence in the flesh. That's the message of the gospel. If you have confidence in your own merits before God, you've got a problem. Though I myself have reason for confidence. Now, Paul was a man that had a good resume. 
as far as religious people go, this guy had the resume of all resumes. And he's going to read out just a small portion of his resume. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, poor bloke, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, the chosen tribe. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, he says, I was blameless. Here's the man that grew up at the feet of Gamaliel, the most respected rabbi of the day, and he says, I've got no confidence in any of that anymore. God had done a number on Paul. Verse 7, but whatever gain I had, now we get to the crux of what Paul wants to teach us today. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. The accountants and the bean counters in the room is going, yeah, I'm starting to get this terminology now. Because this is the kind of terminology Paul's using. He's beginning to have a look at his spiritual balance sheet. And I pray that as we go through these next words, that God would bring each one of us to begin to examine our own spiritual balance sheet. Verse 8, indeed... I count everything as loss. I count everything as loss. What Paul has now done is he's just rattled off his resume. Uh, For those who don't know, when I was in Tasmania, I had about 400 different jobs. And you can ask my wife, if I applied for a job, I pretty much had... I pretty much got it. So uh, I had a way of being able to make people think that I was good. I was a jack of all trades and a master of none. Paul's got a resume here and he says, you know what, I've lived my life, I've accumulated all of this resume and he says, you know what, it's, I consider everything to be loss. Let me read you the 2020 version of how this is often read today. <laughs> I count some things as loss. Mm. See, Paul says, I let go of everything. Paul says, God has completely emptied me of everything. What we tend to do today is, we tend to go, God, I consider these some things as loss. But I want to keep, I want to keep some things over here. There's no middle ground with God. There's no some things with God. If you read through the Old Testament, you'll find a phrase that God uses often when he speaks about Israel, those who are in relationship with him. God uses a word called my treasured possession. God will say, you are my treasured possession. Now, we kind of flippantly read that and go, oh yeah, that's very nice and sweet, la da 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 put that on the fridge kind of thing. But what that actually meant in ancient times was a king in particular, but moreover a kingdom, could have an array of treasure that they've amassed. All this different treasure. But the treasured possession was the king's treasure. That was the treasure that he put in his room, that he kept away from all the other treasure. That treasure was the one that he kept and he guarded and he protected. He valued that portion of treasure above every other piece of treasure. And what God says is, you're my treasured possession. But here's the message of the gospel. God also says, I want to be your treasured possession. 
God says, I want you to clean out what you've got in your back room that you're hoarding as your treasure possession. God says, I don't want to be half. I don't want to be, uh, as we're doing the balance sheet now, God says, I want you to empty it out and put me in there. That doesn't mean you can't have other things in your life. Let's read on because that brings us to the next point that Paul's talking about here. I count everything as lost. Not some things. He says, I count everything as lost. Why? Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. COVID-19, depending on the statistics you read, is a pandemic. Here's a bigger pandemic in the church today. The bigger pandemic is that Christ has lost his value and his worth. How does Paul arrive at a point in his life where he says, we're going to get to it in a moment, everything in my life was rubbish. It's just dung. I have absolutely no consideration for anything pre-Jesus in my life. Everything for me now is Jesus. How does he arrive at that point? Jesus is far more valuable than anything he's ever had in his life. We're living in a time now when our young people, millennials, and I've just missed the millennial bracket, I think, although 29, I think, is in the, mill- it's in the millennial bracket. <laughs> Let me be honest for a moment. I'll get back to preaching in a second. <laughs> where largely they don't value church and they don't value God. Why? Because they don't see the value in us. We live in a society today where we demand everybody out there show God some respect and value and they're out there going, you first. When Jesus is worth more than everything else, you will drop everything. Paul's not Paul said, nowhere does he say, I rang the elders. Nowhere does he say, I thought I better have a prayer meeting first. No, he just says, I just... Everything's gone. Why? Because Jesus is far more worthy to me than anything else. Let me... Many people encountered Jesus in the Gospels. One of them, we read, went away sad. There's a guy that we know as the rich young ruler. And we're going to briefly go through the, the transaction that he has with Jesus because what happened was this man had a treasure problem. Uh, The rich young ruler, we will see, had a value problem. He had a treasure problem. And Jesus wanted him to shift his treasure, even told him how he could do it. But he still went away sad. Let's read through it very briefly. Uh, Luke 18, 18. You can read it at home later. And a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do? There's a word you've got to take out of the gospel. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? Why would Jesus ask him that? Because in the first century, goodness was attributed to God alone. What Jesus wants this guy to realise is, if you're assigning goodness to me, then you're assigning divinity to me, and we need to have a completely different conversation. I'm more than a teacher if I'm good. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone, says Jesus. And verse 20, you know the commandments. Now, it's interesting, there are 10 commandments. Five of them deal with our horizontal relationships. That's how we deal with other people. And five of them deal with our vertical relationship. Jesus doesn't address any of the vertical ones. He says, you know the commandments. You want eternal life, you know what you've got to do, right? Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honour your father and mother, most particularly boys, that one. 
And he said, all these I have kept from my youth. Jesus says, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell. Sell all that you have, distribute to the poor, and something will happen. You'll shift your treasure. And you will have treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. If you just heard me go home and put your house on the market and sell your car, please visit our offering desk before... No, I'm joking. (laughs) That's not what Jesus was saying. There is nothing wrong with having possessions. There is nothing wrong with having wealth. There is nothing wrong with God blessing you and having things in this world. The problem is that this rich young ruler identifies is when those things have us. When they're the treasured possession, when they're... You've got to ask yourself a question. If you lost everything today, in Jesus, do you still have everything? For the rich young ruler, the answer was no. And Jesus says, you've got to shift your treasure. And there's one way you can shift your treasure, and that is by emptying yourself. Go and get rid of it. Here's my greatest fear. My greatest fear is that we will have churches full of rich young rulers that come every Sunday, that can rattle off their resume. I come to church every Sunday. I give money every Sunday. I go to life group. I helped an old lady cross the road the other day. You should help old ladies cross the road. But we've missed it. And Jesus addressed this and said, you guys are going to miss it. And what he said was, on that day I will say to them, I never knew you. Oh, they're scary words. Oh. And that's why Paul says, it's the surpassing worth, not of going to church, but you must come to church. No, no, no. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ. What's the difference, Pastor? If I come to church, isn't that all? I, you know, I come to church. I'm, I'm a good boy. I, 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 I've done. Isn't that enough? No, that's not. A, that's not what Jesus wants. Throughout the Bible, the word "know" or "knowledge" is used in five different ways. It is about gaining information. Yes, it's about increasing revelation. Yes, but it is most often used in the sense of intimate connection. Small kind of reference would be. In Genesis, it says that Adam knew his wife and they bore a child. That doesn't mean that Adam gained more information about him and boof, there was a child. I'm not going to do the birds and bees things. We get guest preachers to do those sorts of things. But what was the Bible talking about? The Bible was talking about the fact that there was an intimate transaction that had happened and that's exactly what Paul is talking about here. I count everything as lost because there is a surpassing value in my life and that value is I want to know Jesus more. Our mission statement here at The Rock is to know Christ and make him known. The second part is just an organic of the first. The more we know Jesus, the more we make him known. But the most important thing for any of us is to increase in knowing him intimately. Paul is talking about a personal connection. That's what Jesus was talking about. Yes, you might prophesy. Yes, you might heal the sick. Yes, you might do all these things and come to church. But don't forget King Saul prophesied when he was around the other prophets, by the way. But Jesus says at the end of the day, well, here's what's important. Whether or not you have a personal, intimate connection with me. And Paul said, that's the most valuable thing in my life. 
the most valuable thing for me today is that I can gain Christ. He goes on and says, For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things. Sometimes it's a suffering. I've suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish. And the ESV is being very nice here because the Greek is dung. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as dung in order that I may gain Christ. There's got to be, Paul says, what Paul's alluding to here is there's been a transaction in my life where what I used to value, I don't value like I did anymore. Yeah, I haven't been to too many funerals, praise the living God, but here's something I've noticed about funerals. There's no U-Haul trucks at a funeral. You can't take your house, your car, doesn't matter what you've got. You can't take any of it with you. Here's what you can take with you. Whatever it is that God has deposited within. When we're talking about losses and gains, Paul says, I'll lose everything. I'll lose anything if I can gain him. Verse 9, and be found in him. They're powerful words. I wonder how we would be found in Christ if we were found of him today. How does Paul want to be found? Paul says, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own. That comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. When we're talking about knowing God, there's a, when we're talking about our relationship with God, God gave us the greatest example and analogy of that. It's actually marriage. Marriage is the greatest picture of our relationship with God. In fact, Paul said in Ephesians, he's talking about husbands and wives and, and, and the, the husband shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. And he says, I'm actually talking about Christ and his church. It's a mystery. And sometimes when, uh, sometimes I've heard when marriages are in trouble, you, for example, you might hear the male say, well, uh, I don't know what her problem is. You know, I... I get up every morning and I put food on the table and I earn the money and, and, and the woman will sit there and go, I don't want all of that stuff, I just want to be cherished. The woman will say, I just want to know that I'm the most important thing in his life right here. And so what Jesus is saying is all of those things are great, but Jesus says, I want to be cherished. A.W. Tozer says that God wants to be wanted and sadly he waits too long Paul says that I may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in Christ the righteousness from God that depends on faith John Calvin said all the Calvinists woke up this morning John Calvin said Jesus did not come to make us righteous he came to be our righteousness Verse 10, that I may know him. Oh. That I may know him. And I love this phrase, in the power of his resurrection. And may share in his sufferings. No, say that faster, Pastor. Just say that line really, really quick. No, 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 no. You see, what Paul said in Acts was that we inherit the kingdom of God through much tribulation. I'm sorry, I don't have an eraser that can rub out ink. It's there. And share in his sufferings. Why? 
so we can become like him, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. I hope I've inspired you to look at your spiritual balance sheet this morning. And you might be sitting here and saying, well, that's all well and good, Pastor, but how does that apply to me today and what should I do with all of this wonderful information? I'm glad you asked all these questions, by the way. Uh, Paul doesn't leave us dangling. Verse 12, not that I have already obtained. This is going to be some really good news for people in this room this morning because I love this verse. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. You see, the goal of Christianity and following Christ is not perfection. It's progression. Perfection will kill you. Perfectionism, spiritual perfectionism will kill you spiritually. It's not perfection. It's progression. If you're standing still or going backwards, that's when you have a problem. It's not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. Here's two words for 2021. But I press on. Mm. I press on. Uh, One thing that many of us don't know about Paul was that he actually had a pretty rich athletic background. And so you read... uh, The judgment seat of Christ, for example. He'll speak about the judgment seat of Christ. And the judgment seat is an athletic term where somebody would stand or sit at a higher or elevated position and would observe everybody competing to make sure they compete by the rules and that everybody's in order. And then they would dish out the rewards to those. That's the judgment seat of Christ. Paul says that's where where Jesus sits. He's observing every one of our walks and every one of our races. But now there's another metaphor, another analogy. Listen to the language here. Uh, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. There's a beautiful verse for 2021. Jesus has made me his own. Ow. Verse 13, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Here's one thing you can do in 2021. Here's one thing on the first Sunday of 2021 that you can do when you leave here today. This is one thing that I do, forgetting what lies behind. (laughs) This is actually a metaphor speaking about running a race. You see, uh, I was taught, not that I did a whole lot of athletics, because uh, unless the police are chasing me, I see no reason to run. But here's the number one thing I was taught in athletics. When you're running, never look behind you. Because what's back there is actually... And if the police are chasing you, never look behind you. Just, just, in, case, just in case your New Year's resolution... I saw that look, Bill. I know the police have chased you a few times. <laughs> Paul says is forgetting what's behind. You know what? Close the book on 2020. You might sit here today and you might say, yeah, but you don't know the mistakes I made in 2020. Well, I probably don't, but God does. And God's telling you to close the book. Just forget about it. Because you can't run forward while you keep looking behind you. You're going to trip over something. That's why if the police are chasing you, by the way, don't look behind. Because if you trip over, they got you. The mind boggles, see? I wonder when the police was chasing my pastor. (laughs) That's a sermon for when the video is not running. Now listen. 
I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining, straining forward. You might have to put a little bit of effort into the Christian walk. If, if Christianity for you sounds like, oh, I'll sit here and God's just going to whack me and zap me, and yeah, God does all those sorts of things, but God blesses momentum, by the way. Get up and get moving. God just blesses moment. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Wow. What Paul is saying here is using a racing metaphor. And he's saying, when you're running your race, stop looking behind Start looking forward and make Jesus the finish line. Strain to have more of him. Strain to know him more. Will you ever be perfect in this life? No. And all the wives said, Amen. But we can, each and every day, you can walk out of here today with the resolve, Jesus, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to know you more. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to surrender to you, to allow, me, allow you to press me into that mould that you would... Em- Who wants to be full of God, by the way? For those that are into mathematical equations, Wigglesworth made it really easy. He said, if you want to be full of God, just empty yourself. After saying, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus... For those who want to be mature in Christ, Paul has a word for you. Let those of us who are mature think this way. Change the way you think. Uh, we're work, we're going, next week we're going to pick up our series in Romans, with Romans chapter 11, but we're pressing on towards those words in chapter 12 where Paul says that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Let those, not that we brainwashed, but we're thinking about it. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in, anything, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. I'm going to ask the worship team if they can get ready. We're going to sing another song in a moment. But I don't want to leave here today. I hope that God has began to place his finger on your life. I want to, I want to leave everybody with a, a story that I've used once before. There was a a young married couple, just married. And on their wedding night, the, the groom and the bride jump in the car and they head off for their honeymoon destination. And as they're heading off, darkness sets in and fog rolls in as they're working their way through the hills. And as he comes around a bend onto a straight, he's following a truck and he sees the road straighten out, but he didn't see the car coming the other way. And he overtakes the truck, hits the car, rolls, flips the car, and it slides on its roof and finishes on its roof. And after some time, he's the first one to come to. Come to and he looks over at his new bride who's unconscious and bleeding very heavily. He knows that it's very, very imminent, as, as fate would have it. As the windscreen clears, he sees a sign with a doctor's plaque as fate would have it, the car has flipped in the driveway of a doctor's surgery and residence. He picks up his bride out of the car. He, 
He makes his way clumsily to the door. He knocks on the door. Eventually, an old man comes to the door and he says, my, my wife is bleeding and near death. Can you please help us? And the doctor stands there and he says, he says, he says, I'm so, 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 He says, I'm no longer licensed. Uh, I'm not allowed to practice medicine. I can't help you. That young man stands at the front door and he says, sir, he says, you've got two choices. You either help my wife or you take down your sign. And in 2021, let it be the year that you either live for Christ or you take down your sign. As the worship team prepares, I, I have two questions today as you're doing business with God. Before you leave here today, is there something you've got to put down? <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 12, let us run, let us cast off every weight and the sin that so easily entangles. Is there something you have to put down today? If there was one thing today that you knew if you put it down, it would bring you closer to Christ, put it down today. My second question, is there something you need to pick up today? Is there one thing today that if you picked it up, you knew you would be closer to God? Maybe you need to pick up getting at the feet of Christ every morning, not just on Sundays. Whatever it is for you, if you know it will bring you closer to Christ, then pick it up today. Before you leave here, pick it up. If you need to come out the front, we offer you to come out the front. We'll pray with you. Our prayer team's ready. But today, let 2021 be different for every other reason apart from pandemics. And my prayer for myself and for everybody here is that we would gain Christ this year. Let's pray. Father, I pray... And I'm almost tentative to pray these words, but empty us, Lord. Please empty us of every other treasure except for you. I pray that every one of us this year would treasure you more, would know you more, would live closer to you this year. And we're going to need your help to do that. We're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit. But the first step is where we surrender. And I pray that hearts would surrender in this place today. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for Jesus. Jesus, you emptied yourself for us. And I pray that we would each do the same for you. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.